you're young, you're cute. Oh. You've never been a senior executive before. What tells oh. you you're going to be successful running this business? You caught me off guard with that. You were good. Yes. I would have glazed over it. <laughs> to get to a point in this world where we don't have to say female entrepreneur, yes. and we just say you are an entrepreneur. Welcome to Carmali Exchange. I'm Faisal Carmeli. As a business owner myself, I understand a lot of the different struggles we face. You're overworked. You're trying to do 10 jobs at once, all to grow this passion project into a real successful business. Now I know a lot of the struggles, but what I don't know are the struggles women face as business owners. I've requested this panel of entrepreneurs because not only are they women, not only are they entrepreneurs, but they're at the top of their game. Today, I'm joined by three incredible entrepreneurs. Amanda Ovesi, co-founder of Cafe Alchemist and Fuck Up Nights YYC, which already sounds like a full-time job, but on top of that, Amanda is also a kick-ass lawyer. Jen Lofgren, founder of Incito Executive and Leadership Development. Jen is also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, one of the top 100 most powerful women in Canada as named by the Women's Executive Network. And Shashi Bell, founder and CEO of Joydrop, founder of Twisted Goods. Shashi is also the Director of Entrepreneurs Organization Calgary and former chair of Alberta Women Entrepreneurs. We'll try not to be our obnoxious selves. <laughs> I'm really interested to start with what made you go into the business world versus the employment side. You could be an employee or you can be an employer. What made you choose the employer route? We'll start with you, Shash. I obviously have a bit of a big ego because I thought that we could be doing so many things so much better even in the office. And it was always this, well, I know we do it like this, but could we try this? And you don't always get the reception that you think you're going to get when you suggest mm -hmm a way to move forward. I need to be in an environment where I can say, hey, let's try this. This works, but maybe we can do it better. And there is a reception to that kind of thought. It was one law firm that I, I got hired with. And prior to doing law, I actually also went back to school after I used to do marketing and business development. And there were so many aspects, there were so many things that the processes and procedures that they were doing that was actually hindering their business. And so I remember the partner of the firm pulled me into his office and he told me, I, I don't need your, your perspective. Just do your job kind of de deal. And, and I just need you to focus on the law. And, that relationship obviously didn't last <laughs> because I'm a pretty outspoken individual and clearly we bumped heads continuously. But I think there's just a unique um, creativity that you just can't get mm. as a standard employee uh, and a sense of control and a sense of pride and, and knowing that every bit of work that you're doing is contributing to your own success and your team's success. The creative aspect, I love, I can never shut it down. Yeah, I was in network architecture for 11 years and I left that career and I went back to school full-time to Mount Royal University and got my HR designation. Brand new in HR and there were some weird things going on. Oh, you can't do this because you'll step on that person's toes. Mm. Or, oh, uh -huh. well, you're not doing this exactly our way. And I'm like, but I see ways to improve things and make things <laughs> better. And as I talked to some colleagues in industry doing the work that I wanted to be doing more around leadership, culture, and teamwork, I learned that most of that work was as an external consultant. It's turned into a real business, but it really started out looking at how do I continue to do the work that I love and take the reins off of the political environment that I'm working within 
and I'm, I'm a really good business owner and a good business partner. I'm a terrible employee because I like to push the envelope and I like to look at how we can do things different and challenge thinking and challenge status quo. And being that external thought partner allows me to really leverage that strength in a way that contributes mm -hmm. the best value. I find it interesting, all three of you like to push the envelope. All three of you like to use that innovative side of your brain, the, the ability to be not only leaders in your own area, but be creators as well. What I find interesting was that wasn't available for you in your previous roles as employees, but as employers, you're providing that atmosphere to your employees. Faisal, it was the very thing that was getting in my way as an employee. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I continue to receive negative feedback over and over and over again. But again, it's the one thing that I have as a real strength that allows me as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a coach to some of the um, most amazing, innovative leaders in our city and in our country to push on them and to challenge them to bring even better results or employee engagement and impact into our communities mm -hmm. because through this venue, I have the ability to really lean on that gift yeah. rather than pull it back. Pull it back. So when it, when it comes to things that have been a, a gender bias on you, what are some of the questions, some of the comments? Because if, if I get that, I, 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 would, I don't know how I would respond. So Faisal, um, is your mom going to co-sign that loan for you? <laughs> That's some of the bullshit that goes on out there. No matter where you, what, what, what gender or, or race or whatever it may be, those kind of questions are leading assumptions. You recently discovered that your daughters were probably very assertive in, in defending themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you get called by whoever it is in the superior in that area and said that your daughters are being too aggressive. What would your response be? I would be asking a lot of questions right yeah. there. <laughs> what do you mean by aggressive? Mm -hmm. Tell me what words they were using that make it sound aggressive. And why is that in a negative connotation? Mm -hmm. right. Now this is daddy coming out. Yeah, I like that. Here it comes, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I think they should be aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think they should be assertive. I think they should be push pushing for what they want because if they don't, how would you know? Yeah. How would you know what they want if they can't tell you what they want? Exactly. I like that. That's great. Faisal, you're young. You're cute. Oh. You've never been a senior executive before. What tells you you're going to be successful running this business? Oh. So I, I can uh, really identify with that because in the first, call it 15 years, you were born in the mid-70s. What the heck do you know about economics? What the heck do you know about the markets? And I go, it may not be the age that it shows on, on my driver's license, but it's the research and knowledge that I have. I can tell you what's happened since 1935. I've got more knowledge and I've learned more about what's happened than most people who've even written those books because that's my job to know. So it doesn't matter about my age. You tell me what time frame, I'll tell you exactly what happened. And that's, again, that's me being, my attitude kicks in right there, but I, I find that's, that's common in my industry. Wait, can we go back to that comment about what would you say if somebody was like, oh, but you're cute. Cute, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> I was going to say, we've all had that here. Oh, you're cute. What makes you think that you can say I've never had that no? comment. So yeah. I, I, you caught me off guard with that. I would have I would have glazed over it. <laughs> I would have glazed over it. And you know, the way you answered it, did you answer it the same way? Because you answered it with force. How, would you, how did you answer it? You know, and I had that more than once. Yes. I, I had a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I think I came back with the question of what tells you 
that I don't have the right experience, but tells you I can't create value. Mm -hmm. And started asking more questions to look at what's underneath it. What's it really about? about? Yeah. And then I can look at how I address those things. Normally my response is uh, in scenarios like that, because it actually comes up really yeah. frequently. I look at them and I, I said, I'm sorry, do you, would you like to rephrase that? Uh, and I push back heavily and I, and I tell them essentially, I, I suggest you bite your tongue. Mine's a, I get, I established right off from the get-go how I expect to be treated on a go-forth basis mm -hmm. and I immediately correct the narrative mm -hmm. so that comments like that never occur again. I've never had the gender side, but I've had the race one. Uh, a client of ours told my business partner, he's, they just want to deal with him. They don't want to deal with the colored guy. And kudos to Dave because I'm like I don't have to deal with him, and I'm gonna get half the profit. Sure, right? <laughs> um, but Dave said no, get him out, and they and we fired him. Yeah, this is actually just reminding me of one of my colleagues. We had our a meeting in preparation of a trial, and the partner of the firm was there, and the client specifically said to her that for the trial they wanted more masculine energy and therefore they preferred if he ran the trial instead of her. Like, didn't even skip a beat that that would have been insulting. Yeah. And Charles, his comment at the time was, um, don't worry, she has all the masculine energy you need for that, mm. right? He backed her completely. But I, I mean, I would pose that to just any other man. How, like, how would you feel essentially if they were like, I need more feminine energy in the room. And I wouldn't know how to respond to that. I feel like you can't accurately crunch those numbers for me. It's <laughs> females, female's job. Right. We, it, so I, I wouldn't know how to respond to that. So when I hear the response of, oh, she has enough masculinity to, to energy to provide in this, in this case, I don't know if I would have said that. I would get defensive mm -hmm. immediately. I think maybe, is it just because as, as females, maybe we've gotten them, those comments a lot that I think our go-to is to learn how to work around it because we've been having to deal with it since a very yeah. young age. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be commonly our it's response. It's like an arrow in your yeah. quiver that you can use if need be, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but I've got a couple go-to funny comments because also there's kind of to shut it down, but also not overly embarrass the other person yes. and let them mm -hmm. see face because then it becomes a thing. Yeah, or you're opening it to have a bigger conversation than it really needs to be. I think that's what right. I'm hearing you say. And maybe then the next time they have a conversation with a female or whatever bias they may have come in and say, that bias has been diminished a little bit because We've something changed. That we can hold our own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and disregard so. that commentary. Without shaming Without them shame, in the yeah. process. Just because there's been a little bit of shame that comes my way doesn't yeah. mean that shaming you and making you lose face, that doesn't help our relationship, no. doesn't make you feel better, you take no learning from it other than I was a jerk. Yeah. And you now feel like a victim that if I can inject a little bit of humor or just a subtle comment that allows you to save face but move on, um, the best example I can have of that is I've had somebody put their hand around my waist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And my answer, I now have a go-to answer, and that's you can't touch me. And that's it. You can't touch me. And whew, hand disappears pretty quick and just move on. How's your evening going? And don't skip a beat. But I tell you, the look of fear in that person's face and recognizing that they have made an important mistake. And I didn't laugh it off, but I also didn't make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. It's between you and I, mm -hmm. and I know you know that you crossed a line. And I'm just going to let you know 
and then we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then move on. Now that person's got a new level of respect and I have an opportunity for a relationship with them in a professional sense because I didn't become that person that made a big deal, but I was still very clear, you can't touch me. Yeah, on this is my boundaries. boundary. Yeah. I call those conversations with grace. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. you know, it's like back to the, how do you want to show up? And I, I just, I want to show up with grace. Mm-hmm. And if that means that sometimes to bite my tongue, yeah. then it does. In my experience, 25 years ago, starting in my industry, it was, what would you know? You're not from Canada. Uh-huh. Born and raised here in the city, just because of my skin tone, yep. you wouldn't know. You people, oh. I hate that line. Oh my goodness. You people wouldn't understand what it's like to invest other people's money. You guys don't have that much money, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the fact how educated I am. Yeah. And that to me was motivating because that would take me from I'm shit to, okay, let me, let me prove it to you. And then somewhere around, I think, the 10th year in my, in my industry, reverse racism kicked in. Oh, you're Indian. You must be really good at math. I get that all like, the time. Or you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm the failed person in my family because I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm the failed one. But the reverse racism kicked in. And I, I just realized that something that happened in the mid-90s that all of a sudden East Indians knew math so well that they were really good at it. And I'm like, just because of my color doesn't mean I'm good at it yeah. or I'm bad at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at my, my results. What I'm trying to understand today, because today I don't get that as much. It's still there. It is mm-hmm. still there. In normal course of businesses, they'll pick on what, they're trying to understand value. What services or product do you provide and does it provide me value? But when they're picking on you, they're starting to pick on certain pieces. You're too young. Or, or anything that is about you as an individual. Why do they start off with doubt of you first versus trying to figure out if there's value in what you offer? I think that's a big question because I think also too if we could solve that question we probably we would have so much we'd have world, world peace right? yeah, exactly <laughs> because it is you know it is like it's a stereotype usually I, I fall back on you know how this person is reacting to me is actually a reflection of themselves mm-hmm. and and I have to start and stop there so that I don't start cutting myself down mm-hmm. and then go back to I have I have to walk the way I want to walk and show up the way I want to show up. And if they're thinking something about me, I can't change that. I say don't like don't let those those things get you down. It's a blessing in disguise because you're right. It's a reflection of them, not me. My father told me a long time ago, everything is a sales pitch. And you just need to, no matter what the inquiries are, even if they're personal, to address them. Uh, and to instill them with a level of confidence and faith and belief in you. And if they, that can't be achieved, then both parties can go their, their separate ways. But I would just take it as an opportunity to, to show them otherwise. It's a sales pitch. It's about their fear. Yeah. Mm. Something they're afraid of. And now, because of that fear, I'm going to pick at you out of a place of self-protection. In dealing with someone coming from a place of fear, it, it's natural for us to want to get closer to them and get them to like us. And when we do, it just perpetuates the cycle. So ch- we're in control of changing the role, either opting out of the conversation mm-hmm. or pushing back and challenging back or shifting to asking questions to get more of what we want. And then it goes to the question of, so then what do I want in this relationship or this conversation right now? And even challenging that for ourselves. Mm. I read the data. I understand the issues that come out when it, when it comes to pay gap, when it comes to who gets hired, culture from a business. 
But when it comes from an entrepreneur side, when you run your own business, mm-hmm. and I need your help to educate me and my and my audience, and I'll start with you, Shashi. What do you see as one or two biggest hurdles or impediments when it comes to being a female entrepreneur versus just an entrepreneur? Well, first of all, I'm going to say my my I feel like my job in the world is to get to a point in this world where we don't have to say female entrepreneur yes. and we just say you are an entrepreneur. Can I jump in there because there's a quote that I want and I wrote this down for a reason. This is a quote we found from you and you said, for the future, I hope for us to no longer be required a qualifier. There is no woman or black indigenous people of color leader, board member or CEO. We are all just leaders in our respective fields. Can you expand on more of that piece? while you're talking about your own. Sure, thank you. And thank you for actually doing that. Like going back, you must have gone back into my uh, Instagram. You guys a little, are bit, good. little bit of archiving, <laughs> a little bit of archiving, yeah. Recon. yeah. I like it. No kidding. <laughs> Any good entrepreneur, that actually right there is what you do before you sit down at a table. I knew Amanda, because we have done a few projects together, but I researched Jen because it's like, who am I going to be sitting at a table with? Yeah. I researched you. And I would say that a good leader knows who they're breaking bread with, knows who they're having a drink with, because um, how do you have a good relationship? How do you have you, connection? For me, the big reason why I say yes to things like this is that it's not, I'm not trying to change a man's mind. I'm hoping that a woman younger than me sees that they can do it. That is success to me, mm. is when um, a, a 20-year-old comes and says, and I had it a couple of weeks ago, we were at an event and she said, oh, I always wondered who owned Joy Drop. And now meeting you, I still get it. Because this is a woman who wears a hijab. She's, you know, 25, smart as a whip. And she goes, it's like your Instagram speaks to me. I'm like, wow. I am so glad. And I have, I don't do our Instagram, but just by having someone that is colored in a leadership position, intrinsically, those things are going to happen. Having a cute blonde in a, leader, <laughs> in a leadership position, you are making an impact just by being you, mm-hmm. just by owning your floor. And that's what we do. And I think that's, I, I feel so strongly that as if you, the more diversity you put into leadership positions and mm. you felt it, that's what you want. I want your daughter to go, yeah, she can do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Jen, I have two daughters. They are 16 and 13. Now, since they were younger, because I get the data, poor girls, I'm like, you got to be better and, and you got to do more and you got you to gotta push because society is not going to accept you as is today because you've got the triple negative. Short, brown, female. <laughs> so you got to work harder. You got to do more than the rest so you can, you can separate yourself from the pack, which is what I had to do. Now, I don't know if that's good advice, but you're dealing with executives today. Is my advice to my children valid or what should I be telling my girls today from all the leaders that you're dealing with, knowing that's their future? There are going to be judgments against you. So what are you going to do to make your thinking and your expertise more transparent? So they may need to be better. I don't know that for sure, but I think what women need to do is continue to tell their story and help their credibility, their expertise, what they have um, to own the narrative or to tell the story, to make it more transparent because there's a story or assumption society-wise that people are going to fill in the gaps if you're not telling the story. So to keep putting up your hand and telling your story and looking for the opportunity to take some of that spotlight and help people understand what it is that you have to contribute. When it comes to 
the leaders um, of the future that your daughters and my daughter are going to work for, I think, really giving the opportunity to tell stories and raise the profile of everyone equally around you, but being aware that those around you may have some bias or challenges that are they're disadvantaged in some way. So how are you looking at shining a spotlight to help support those individuals, men, women, different racial background, whatever it may be. Maybe they're not even a visible minority or non-visible minority. Maybe they're just that one person in the team that you see strengths in, that there's some kind of judgment around and what are you doing to shine a spotlight to help make that person's strengths and abilities more apparent mm. to those around them and to raise their credibility uh, to help them be seen as the leader that they are. Mm. I, I know that this is heavily focused on some of the obstacles that women face, but I'll also flip it and say the greatest collaborations and, and some of my biggest supporters are male, and that is also very indicative and reflective of the success of our company because they embrace me as their partners or as their colleagues so much that we infuse and, and inject growth within our company and work really as a team. Sometimes to get credibility, you need somebody else to echo your story so that you're not just hustling by yourself. Yeah. yeah. These supporters around us are so important, whether it's a supporter as a woman, but also supporter as a business owner. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I think it's really hard to run a business and do it all by yourself, no matter what your gender or background is. Absolutely. You need great supporters around you, and maybe even more so as a woman or a person of color or tall or short. I don't know. I know it's just really hard on our own. And if you've got some people that are there to support you and help tell your story. Yes. That's remind you of your story too, as you were saying. Yeah, that's one thing that we've said on this show time and time again, no entrepreneur does it by themselves. And so they need that support either through this platform or other individuals. All three of you have supported other businesses. That's important. I wanna thank all three of you for taking the time out today, uh, educating myself, my audience, and really showing how it can be done and can be done right. So thank you for all three of you for joining me today. Thanks, thank you for having us. Thank you. This was fun. This is great. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Carmali Exchange. And you can also follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali, where we can continue the business conversation.